The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984 and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Alexander Svetsky is the CEO of Amber App. He's also the editor of BitcoinTimes.news, which is about Bitcoin, money, philosophy, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. To find out more about Alexander Svetsky or Alex, please visit svetsky.medium.com. That's S-V-E-T-S-K-I dot medium dot com or go to amber dot app, which is a double P www.amber.app. Alex, great to see you again, mate. Uh, what's yeah, going on? Loving the singlet, loving the guns. <laughs> well, Looking... I, I was watching you the other day when we were having our first chat on, on our podcast <laughs> and he rocked up in the singlet and I saw the guns. I was like, fuck, dude. How do you get those? Because I don't really have too much going on here, but... Um, it's okay. I'm I'm happy in my own skin, but um, I thought I'd rock That's the sing, singlet in uh, honor <laughs> to honor, honor our, our last uh, engagement, brother. All right, we're, we're we're trading places this time. I'm being a little bit more professional, apparently, with my Nike shirt. Clearly, <laughs> so funny, man, dude. I um I just I just got back from uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Have you ever done any martial arts before? Or? But I did when I was a. Um, about the age of 12, 13, 14, I studied uh, Taekwondo and I loved it. It was, it was such a, 
a really good thing for me because I was, you know, going back in those days, I was really skitty, really weak and mm. really shy. So going into mm. martial arts taught me a lot about discipline. It taught me a lot about, uh, it doesn't really matter the size of you. It's, 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 it's balance, it's focus, it's intention. It's, it's mm-hmm. the movement, so to speak. And uh, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not always about attack, so to speak. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. So I've, I've, um, I've never done grappling before. Like I've, I've done sort of more things like I did capoeira for a little while. I did, uh, I did some kickboxing, you know. So, so I've done a mixture of things like that. I think when we were young, you know, me and my brother did some karate because my dad sort of pushed us into it. But um, there's just something about, like I was just saying earlier off camera, I've been so tired today because I'm just dealing with retard bankers uh, for, for Amber and just, just loads of work with us. Um, you know, I think people underestimate how much work goes into building any sort of business, uh, particularly when you're building like a technology startup that is fundamentally disrupting like the big players that don't like you. So, you know, they want to make your life difficult. So anyway, I, I was dead all day and I was thinking, man, should I, should I message Pete like to, to book another day and I was like okay I'll see how I feel after you know a round of jiu-jitsu so I went and did that and it's still early days for me it's like my first week of doing classes but there's just something about using your body and using your mind at the same time like because you know BJJ is about it's it's not it's not an uh, it's not a attack focused martial arts it's, it's a defense focused one and and it's really strategic and tactical and you have to think and all this sort of stuff so I don't know. I feel really good, man. So I don't know. I'm pumped. Feeling good for this podcast. Fantastic. I've had Rob Wolf on the podcast before and Rob Wolf is, is such a smart, smart man. And he's sort of one of the, I would call, he's, he's a young fellow, but I'd say the grandfathers of the functional movement as well as paleolithic mm-hmm. ketogenic uh, approach. Amazing man, and he said that jujitsu is his favorite form of medicine, basically. And if anybody mm. wants to listen to it, go back to Rob Wolf. It was one of the, I think, episode fifty or something that I did on the podcast. And he is—he's just teamed up with a lady called Diane. Uh, I knew I'd put myself in the spot, Diane. Diane. Diane Richards, I think. Forgive me if I've got that wrong. Uh, she is part. She created Rogers. A, I think it is. That's Diana it. Rogers, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. From text, mate. From, uh, it's like Joe Rogan. Thanks, Jamie. Bring it up. Uh, <laughs> I got Google, man. <laughs> we, Telling us the truth. I'm fact-checking. All right, Pete? I'm getting a new job as a fact-checker. <laughs> Di- Diane Rogers. And um, Diana or Diane, can you even help me on that one? Jeez, what's, what's going Diana. on? Diana, I think it's Diana. Diana. It looks like it's go. Diana. She's just created a film with Rob Wolf as well called Sacred Cow or, or Sustainable Dish, yeah. one of the two. Jeez, where's my brain today? Anyway, uh, I've also done a podcast with her and she talks about the importance of holistic farming and that animals are the key to our future. Mm. So, um, so mm. check them out. And it's interesting what you said about that nobody really understands what goes into creating a business, especially when you're doing something that is outside of the, the norm. Say, for instance, the people listening to this on the Evolve platform, it's, it's been a long time coming. And I've had some detractors saying, how can you charge for this? It's like, well, number one, it costs money to create. It costs money to mm-hmm. keep it going. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to pay for a service. You wouldn't go into a restaurant and say, 
I'm not going to pay for mm -hmm. the food that you just presented to us. You know, and so there's this really interesting thing going on in the tech tech world now where people expect things to be free, free flowing information, but they, but people don't understand that underneath all of that, there's actually a system that took a lot of people and still maintain. It's funny once you get it up, it, it takes people and I've got a wonderful team. So I want to thank them publicly now for going through this and dealing with all these glitches that appear, especially in the tech world. And I think I should just make this vitally or crystal clear at the moment as technology develops, anything that you put out there into a system, you need to keep updating that. It's just like people do you with their iPhones. Yeah. You have to maintain it. Yeah. And, and for that, it, it costs money for housing. And anyway, I'm not here trying to defend why these sort of things end up costing money but at the end of the day for us to be able to charge money for something like this which is exclusive it gives us the opportunity to to keep developing new things like for instance today we're doing this with alex part two of bitcoin education mm -hmm. and i'm excited about this because you you go no i was, I was going to say like there's a there's an interesting thread that you just mentioned there about like you charging for, for this content, which is, I actually think it's, um, it's the way things are going to re-evolve again in the future. So for, for the last 10, 15 years, particularly, we've been conditioned to, you know, on this freemium model where, and there's a, there's a great saying, which is if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Um, mm -hmm. if you've, if you've heard that one before. And, and I think we've so, we've been so conditioned in the tech space because of that. And, and I, I would argue a lot of that is, uh, is a function of how uh, the, the fiat monetary system works. So you look at these large scale public companies, you know, your, your Googles, your Twitters, your Facebooks, you know, and all that sort of stuff is they, you know, I mean, other than Apple who genuinely like builds a product, a, a lot of these large end companies, they don't even give a shit about um, making money in the traditional sense anymore because uh, you know, there's two, there's two threads here. One I'll pull on is the fact that all the capital or the majority of the capital in the world uh, from that, that primarily is produced through money printing and then secondarily through the extraction of, um, of money through 401ks and mandatory supers and all this sort of stuff. All of that money ends up getting funneled into wall street. Um, and what it does is it creates like, uh, instead of natural uh, Pareto distributions, and I think we spoke about this on the last uh, episode, is you know you, in in nature everywhere you see these uh, power law distributions. You know the eighty twenty rule exists everywhere in nature. You know everything's sort of uneven and things compound, but we have this like unnatural distribution of money uh, because of the, the the money printer. And what it does is it strengthens a few players at the expense of everybody else. So now if you're a Facebook, if you're an Amazon, if you're a Google, if you're an Apple, you basically get all of the public money. So, so Pete, you and I go and work. We're forced by the government to set aside 10% of our money through superannuation. That then goes into these big funds who those big funds, they can only invest in 20 companies because that's their mandate. Um, so we are buying shares and we're supporting basically BHP, Rio, you know, all these large companies. I don't want to fucking support them. Like why should I, you know, have all my money go there? And what happens is, these few companies get stronger and stronger and stronger. So, so they, they become effectively oligopolies because they're close enough to that monetary spigot that, um, that they get an unfair advantage. So when a competitor 
who traditionally would beat them or do something better, who would innovate, who would do it smarter, et cetera. They basically, they don't stand a chance because they, um, they don't, they're not the beneficiary of that um, capital. So, so it's, it's really become a game, not of innovation anymore, not of adding value. It's become a game of how close can you get to the venture capitalists? So how close can you get to wall street to acquire excessive amounts of capital to build shit, which I think, you know, 60% of it's actually unnecessary. Like, why the fuck do we need another TikTok or another stupid social network? You know, when, you know, we need, we need good food. We need, uh, you know, we need better uh, infrastructure. You know, we need uh, better ways of generating power. Like, so, so there's all these big problems that are unsolved because cheap capital chases cheap problems and it sort of compounds on itself. And then you have this sort of second factor is, um, is how advertising is the cornerstone for these freemium type products and advertising is again in today's day and age it's a fucking aberration it doesn't apologies for my french there but like it doesn't it doesn't do us any service it's just become brainwashing for you know this blind uh keynesian if if, if anyone's familiar with that word Keynes was a um was an economist which, which basically he basically set the foundation for the madness we see in society today and his whole theory was in order for an economy to grow we must consume at all costs and what that's done is it's turned us into blind consumers instead of thoughtful producers um, and in the process that's fed uh, another major industry which is i think bloated the advertising industry so you've got basically advertising wall street and software technology feed into each other and much like the example that i use is um there's a brazilian bodybuilder who's kind of famous and he's not really a bodybuilder all he did was he pumped uh, synthetic uh, steroids into his biceps so like synthol and he's got these massive 26 inch biceps um, and the rest of his body is like you pete so imagine you having biceps the size of your torso like it's ridiculous so, so that's basically what the world looks like at the moment it's this deformed uh entity that is really big in three areas because cap fake money or easy money chases easy problems and fake problems and they sort of feed into themselves and we have become conditioned to just think that that's normal to think that you know spending all our money consuming is normal to think that you know chasing uh superannuation gains and investment and this and that is normal you know feeding the beast to think that um you know all of our services should just be given to us for free because, oh, you know, I'm happy to be advertised to. So all that stuff I think is an aberration. And, and I think as tying this into Bitcoin, as Bitcoin sort of emerges as this money that is incorruptible, that no one can print, a lot of that gets broken. And we move back to a world where for good products and services, people will gladly pay 10 bucks per year, 10 bucks a month, whatever the subscription is. Um, to get stuff that they want to hear, like, or that they want to watch or that they want to consume. You know, we're going to, I think we're going to move back to a world of more signal and less noise because today it's all noise, mm. it's very little signal. And, and they're doing their best to kill the signal and keep the noise. Mm. So anyway, that's my little rant on that. I love it. I, I know we were going to talk about a few things. Oh, we, you, you wanted to talk about something in, in particular, but I do need to bring a couple bring up a couple of things that I put a couple of things out there on Bitcoin this week and a few people have raised concerns. They said, first question, why yeah. would, why would you put money into something that 
has no tangible asset instead of buying, say, either gold or buying property because land is tangible. Nobody can take it off you apparently. And you might, you know, I, I know there's something brewing in Australia at the moment and potentially globally about that statement that no one can take your land off you. Um, so how, how do you answer that question? Yeah, let's explore this question. So first and foremost, uh, I guess what people need to uh, separate is um, money as a concept and money as an object. Um, so money, and we discussed this uh, previously, ha has existed since the dawn of time. It's the, it's the first level of communication because what money is, money is fundamentally a technology that is uh, something that represents my input into society, the value I put into society. And remember, that was initially measured by promises, you know, us keeping it in our memory. And then, you know, when our memory failed us, you know, or, you know, our memory can only go so far. So we just started writing, you know, things on a wall to keep track of who did what. But then we realized that we needed objects to represent the little notes on the wall. So we started trading things like, you know, food and salt and spices and this and that. So, so money is a technology that enables cooperation amongst human beings. We, we can't cooperate without being able to do our work, measure it in some form, um, and then exchange it down the track. Like we have to store it, we have to be able to exchange it, and we have to be able to measure other goods uh, in this thing. Otherwise, how, how do I know how to exchange my bananas for your shoes, for someone else's meat, for someone else's house, for someone's computer? Like there's no way to do that because everything has a subjective value. We can't escape the subjectivity of human beings. We're all different. And that, that's what makes us unique. That, that, that's, that's life. So in order to manage that subjectivity, we need some sort of fabric that permeates society. And that fabric, that, that's known as money. That technology is known as money. So if we fast forward, we've used all sorts of different objects as money. Uh, you know, we, we've used silver. We've used copper. We've used salt. We've used food. You know, in jails, they use cigarettes, right? Um, so, so we've used all sorts of different things. Gold was very useful because, like I said last time, it's got some interesting attributes. It's uh, gold is fungible, so it's the same in Australia as it is in Europe, as it is in America. So, so it's like this unique physical object. It doesn't react with anything, you know. So it's chemically stable. Um, it's very durable. It's portable. Um, it's relatively divisible. You know, you can chop it up into relatively small parts. So it's got these unique attributes, which make it a very good object to use to represent this thing called money. The problem with gold though, is because it's physical, um, it, number one, it can get taken from you. Um, number two, it's hard to keep track of uh, how much there actually is. So it kind of fails in the scale element. It's not too bad there because gold just doesn't, you know, grow on trees. You can't just print gold, right? So, you know, you, you, there is an energy, there is an energetic cost to pulling it out of the ground. So as a result, you know, it does have a, um, it does have a natural uh, scarcity associated with it. So that's good, but you know, it fails definitely on the portability side of things. So as you know, your wealth grows, you know, there's only so much gold you can, you know, hide somewhere, you know, so it's not very, you know, there's a cost to secure it. And then as we move into a digital age where we're more interconnected, I mean, how do, how does an Australian uh, who wants to pay for something from someone in Zimbabwe or Algeria or South America, like, what are you going to do? Post them some gold, you know, 
in, in, the, in the mail, it doesn't work. So, so Bitcoin as an invention moves money forward into the digital age. It takes some of those unique attributes of gold. So the idea that it's fungible. So, so Bitcoin's network has these tokens that operate on it. Um, so the Bitcoin network has Bitcoin tokens. So they're, they're both one and the same thing, essentially, um, or two parts of the one thing. And th those tokens have some attributes like, you know, the, the network knows if they're Bitcoin because that's all they are. Um, it's completely fungible. So all Bitcoin is Bitcoin. It's all the same. As soon as, you know, something's changed on the network in the code, like what it does is it forks off another copy and it's something else. So therefore all Bitcoin's fungible. Um, it's divisible. So you can divide it down to, you know, eight decimal points. So it's much more divisible than gold. Um, it is uh, yeah, portable, durable, you know, because it's information, information can't be destroyed. So that's the most, it's the most durable form of money we've ever had. Um, and then it kind of takes the, the idea of, you know, a ledger um, and brings it into the 21st century. So remember in the beginning, I said money is this ledger. It's kind of a way for us to keep track of who's done what. Bitcoin does that, brings it in the 21st century. And it says, all right, here's an open public ledger of all the money that's in the world. Um, all transactions are on this public ledger and there's a copy of this ledger on all the computers that run the Bitcoin network. So there's hundreds of thousands of computers now that are running this thing. So you can't turn it off. Each computer is running the same set of rules. So 21 million Bitcoin, fixed supply, 10 minute blocks, um, four year halving, difficulty adjustment and you know all the critical rules. So as a result, we have this thing which is a modern day 21st century digital money that embodies all of the benefits of gold but none of the downsides none of the issues with portability none of the issues with divisibility and it's far easier to secure if you've got the key that's associated with your bitcoin you can memorize that and you can store a billion dollars in your mind good luck trying to store a billion dollars of gold the government will come and take it from you like they did in, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, there was an order by, I think it was Roosevelt. I can't, I can't remember now, but it was sort of after um, the, the depression uh, it was order 6102 where they came and they confiscated everyone's gold for the good of the nation. Um, and, and that kind of stuff will come again. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.